biclinical trainees and four clinical trainees, this is well-rounded. Well-Rounded is your resource for all things healthcare business, policy, and current events. Your hosts today are Lauren Tronic and Isabel Rosenthal. Today's episode takes another look at how trainees are affecting change in medical institutions, this time involving an equation used to calculate patient kidney function. Now Meeton Kinsey, a third-year MD-MPH student at the University of Washington School of Medicine, joins us to explain how a clinical equation can be racist and how she set out to stop its use. Welcome to Well-Rounded. Hi, listeners. This is Lauren and Isabel here with Naomi and Kinsey. Naomi, we're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. So Naomi, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a third-year MD, MPH student at the University of Washington School of Medicine. I was originally born in Yaoundé, Cameroon, and both of my parents are from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And we immigrated to the United States when I was maybe about kindergarten, first grade age, originally to suburbs of Atlanta, and then eventually to Seattle, Washington, where um, I still am now. And just having kind of that experience of coming to the U.S. as an immigrant, as a young child, and, you know, learning a new language, learning a new culture, learning to adapt, but then still keeping my cultural roots and the heritage that I grew up with, I think has really shaped the way I view myself and the way I view medicine as kind of a storytelling art where, you know, it's not just the patient in terms of, you know, the X, Y, Z things that are wrong with the organ systems, but as a whole human being and each person really tells you a different story. So that's kind of what drew me into medicine is the love of storytelling, but also what the love of science kind of brought together in one piece. Yeah, that's so nice. I feel like both Lauren and I also were probably drawn to medicine for the storytelling aspect. Um, both of us were absolutely humanities majors. So today we're going to be talking a lot about racism in medicine and specifically how race-based medicine has proliferated in the world of medicine forever. But I wanted to start off by talking about how how do you think being a Black medical student has affected your experience throughout medical school? For me, being Black in healthcare has played a huge role in how I see myself and how I interact with patients and how I interact with professors. It almost feels like there's two versions of me. There's like the me with friends, um, there's me with family, and there's me when I'm around, when I'm around, I guess what you would consider skin folk. So when I'm around other Black people, there's a way that I can act or I can feel comfortable and I know I won't be judged. But then when I go into medical school, it's kind of like I have to wear this veil constantly where I'm constantly thinking about what am I wearing? How am I saying things? Does my hair look a certain way today? Can I ask this question I've even had times where I've had comments that I wanted to make, but you word it in a way that it's a question or you have to like throw in compliments that you don't really mean in emails <laughs> just to like soften the blow because you know that everything you say is going to be judged by a different standard. Right. And just the fact that, you know, in the University of Washington, 
We have different sites, but I'm at the Seattle site and I'm one of five black students and one of three black women in my class. So anything I do feels like I'm under a microscope. There's like almost no break and it's very, it's exhausting. Honestly, that's the only way I can describe it. It's almost like every day I have to get up and I'm putting on a show for the benefit of other people. But then it, while doing that, I feel like you're losing a bit of yourself each and every step of the way. And I don't think people realize how traumatic that can be. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think that we could do a whole episode about how professionalism in medicine and medical school is weaponized against minorities. And it sounds exhausting. Not only is it exhausting just operating on a daily basis, but also the burden of doing anti-racist work at medical school is probably falling on you as a Black student. It feels almost like a trap. There's a sense of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So if you don't speak up, you're sitting there thinking, okay, this is my community that they're talking about. This is my body. This is how I'm being seen at the physician's office. If I don't say anything, everyone around me is going to take this stuff as fact. And then they're going to be the ones that are treating my my family and the people that I care about. But then at the same time, there's a sense that if you do speak up, you're called unprofessional, you're disruptive, you're loud. Um, so you again, you can't win, except when things become successful, like the EGFR situation where now changes are being made, then all of a sudden the schools are lauding you and posting all these articles with your picture featured in it. But without the recognition that while you were doing this work, you were also on the inside, being called unprofessional and rude and disruptive. How does that make you feel now when your picture, just like you said, your pictures on the University of Washington website, they are writing pieces about you, mm-hmm. and yet they have not only not supported you, but basically, you know, put you down in the past? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> uh, it's, It's interesting because on one part, if I didn't get the recognition, of course, I would be upset, right? right? Because it would be acting as if they kind of came up with these changes on their own without student labor. Um, But at the same time, it, it, it does feel a little bit like a slap in the face because it almost feels like a rewriting of the history behind um, being outspoken in class Nobody's going to come out and say, hey, we were racist towards a student and targeted them in several ways. And now they did this amazing thing. Congratulations. Like, nobody's going to do that. I'm picturing, like, an italicized disclaimer at the top of an article. Just so you know, we actively (laughs) silenced the student in the past. (laughs) And these issues are definitely systemic. And they underlie Mm -hmm. so much of the clinical concepts, these things that we are taught as fact in med school. Yes. An example is the EGFR race correction. Mm-hmm. That has been getting a lot of uh, national attention. You have been getting a lot of national attention for your work on uh, the equation and what your school and institution has been doing with it. So if you could just tell us a little bit about what EGFR is, why does it matter, and kind of how and when did you first come to identify it as an issue? Yeah. So EGFR stands for Estimated Glomerular Filtration Rate. So what this is, is basically just a way to measure how someone's kidneys are functioning. So higher GFR, 
to a point means better kidney function, lower GFR means worse kidney function. And there's different ways to measure this. So the one that we were taught in school is called the MDRD equation. Um, so this equation was developed in 1999. So it takes into consideration sex and race, amongst other variables. So, and this was presented as a slide in our renal function unit. And the slide just said, you know, MDRD equation and then listed different variables. And the professor kind of just talked through, this is the equation, this is the variables we use. And then that was kind of the end of the conversation. So I was sitting there in class thinking, how is it possible that everything we do, everything we're taught is to be precise. But again, when we talk about race, we kind of throw that out the window. Like, what is race being used as a proxy for here? Mm -hmm. um, so I asked the professor in class, you know, so why why is race used in this equation? What does it add to the equation? And he wasn't really able to give an answer as to mm -hmm. why we're using that variable. And I just kind of, <laughs> I think to the chagrin of the, everyone in the lectures that I kind of just kept pushing him with questions. Um, so he would answer one question. I'd say, okay, well, now you're saying that maybe it's different for um, Black people in Africa or other countries versus Black people in America. So I was born in Africa and then I've lived in the U.S. So what variable would you use for me? And he couldn't answer. I said, well, I have cousins that are mixed race. So are they Black enough to get the Black variable? Or would you use non-black variable? What about people that don't look visibly black? How black is black enough for the physician to say that they're black? What if they have black ancestry that's further back? Like it just seemed so imprecise. And then to kind of reinforce this idea that somehow black people and black kidneys are physiologically different from not just white kidneys, but what this equation, the way it's reported is black GFR versus non-black GFR. So you're saying that our bodies are somehow completely different from all other people on earth, just on the basis of race, which is a social construct. Uh, race has a definition that changes throughout time. And there's also issues of how do you decide someone's race? Is it self-selected? Does the physician decide it? And then I was further frustrated, one, that this conversation became so heated because People are uncomfortable talking about racism. It actually got to the point where we had to end the conversation and then later that week bring in a different nephrologist wow. to mm -hmm. um, carry on the conversation. And that also didn't end very well. What are some real world implications for Black patients when this race correction occurs on a daily basis? GFR plays a role in clinical decision making. So, for example, so your GFR has to be at a certain level for the cutoff in order to get a kidney transplant. So for example, if you are a black patient, because of the race correction, your GFR value is going to be bumped up by a factor of 1.21. So what that means is if you compare a white patient versus a black patient, they could be at the same level of kidney dysfunction but because that black patient had their GFR value pumped up by that um, race correction, their GFR looks higher than the white patient does. So they could be at the same level of kidney dysfunction, but the white patient will meet the cutoff for a uh, transplant, whereas the black patient will have to wait until their disease progresses further in order to make that same qualification to get kidney transplant. So what you're saying is 
a black person has to be sicker than a white yes. person in order to get a kidney transplant if that yes. race correction is used. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, a black person versus a white person, but a black person versus anybody else that's non-black has to wait longer. So, Naomi, um, I want to talk a little bit more about what exactly happened because the University of Washington did get rid of the race correction in the EGFR equation. And so I want to hear from you what happened and what is the status now of EGFR at the University of Washington? Yeah, so what happened is that starting July 1st, the University of Washington has opted to not no longer use the MDRD equation. So they're now using a different equation that also measures GFR called CKD-EPI but they're using it without a race coefficient because the CKD epi equation also has a correction factor for race. Oh, um, that's interesting. So we're using that equation, but without the race coefficient. Why did they not keep the same equation, but just get rid of the race coefficient? The reason that they opted to use a different equation instead of the MDRD is because the CKD epi equation um, is generally regarded to be more accurate. So the CKD-EPI study was done in 2009, and this one was multi-institutional. It had mm-hmm. you know, a much larger patient population. It was still limited in terms of the racial and ethnic um, backgrounds of the participants. But in this particular study, the study was done on participants that didn't necessarily have kidney disease. So the MDRD study was done on people that already had some kind of kidney dysfunction, whereas the right. CKD-EPI included people that didn't. Thank you. That's really interesting. Um, I think most people don't even know that there are different equations for even calculating mm-hmm. EGFR. So the next thing we want to get into is what you personally did to get this equation changed. So this started winter quarter of my first year of medical school, and the change was announced in June of this year. So it's not something that happened overnight. So my advocacy started uh, with, again, kind of being loud and disruptive in lecture and really pushing professors. This came at a price of kind of being seen as, you know, kind of like an angry black woman or uh, someone that disrupts the class too often. I actually met with the uh, block director for our, it's called CPR, so cardiopulmonary renal unit, and discussed why exactly I felt this was an issue. And then following up with him with emails that he could then take. So I wrote um, out an email and then I sent research papers and I told him, you know, you have a position of power because you're the block leader of this course you interact with the other professors that are teaching this material. This is an email that I'm fine with you reading to them. And it tells my personal experience with racism. It talked about why I felt the information that was being taught was harmful and why I felt it needed to change. And then from there, you know, recognizing that as a black student, I'm only, you know, I was one person and I was trying to balance school with everything. I met up with one of my classmates And she was one of the leaders of ARAC, which is the Anti-Racism Action Committee at UW. ARAC really provided a good framework because it's a committee that allows students and faculty members to come together and have discussions about racism in the curriculum. So they were able to hold a town hall 
in which they brought in the faculty members, um, the curriculum team to talk about why this was an issue. And then from there, there were discussions that were had with nephrologists at the school, but Dr. Rajnish Mehrota, he is the head of nephrology at UW, and he was a huge advocate for student voices. And he played a critical role in bringing up this issue to his faculty and his peers and colleagues. When you have someone that is in a faculty role in a position of power, and they use that to kind of convince their own peers and encourage them to have a conversation, that kind of helps move things along. So um, they have their own town hall where the pros and cons of changing the equation was discussed. Um, there were patient stories that were told. I'm told that there was a story that was <laughs> brought up by a patient that had gotten a transplant. And they mentioned that, you know, they were a white patient that had gotten a kidney transplant from a black donor. So which which race <laughs> corrector would you use for that person? Is it like, oh well, they have a black person's kidney, so now we have to use the race coefficient, or is it because now they're they're still white? It, it, for me, it's like a lack of of logic. But they were able to have conversations amongst their peer group, and then from there, you know, laboratory medicine really showed up in that it's one thing to have a discussion about it; it's another thing to actually see if this is a feasible change. And they were able to do a study where they looked at electronic medical records of the UW patient population hmm. and were able to determine that there was no difference in kidney functioning between Black patients and non-Black patients and that they would, would be safely able to use the CKD epi equation without a race coefficient. And in the memo that was sent out to the school, something that was really touching to me is that they specifically outline that the use of race is non-precise and not scientific. And they also gave a shout out and said that these changes would have would not have happened if it weren't for the work of students. So that was just the whole process of it was a fascinating because it kind of showed that, you know, uh, the inner workings of how these changes are made. And it also reinforces that all of this is a team sport. Right. Yeah. So like. None, without the students being outspoken, none of this would have happened. But we're not the ones that actually have the power to make changes. You have to have the faculty that buy in, the clinicians that are willing to reinvestigate and rethink the way that they've been doing things. Students definitely have power to make change. And you just have to find the people that are willing to be allies and are willing to be allies, not just by saying that they're allies, right. but actually right. stepping up when it's time to use their power to help others. So it sounds like it, it started with you, with somebody being outspoken, with students noticing something's wrong, and then there was this mm -hmm. framework. And then from there, it was just collaborative. So you had nephrologists, you had other students, you had clinicians, and then at the end of the day, you had evidence to go mm -hmm. along and back you up. Um, congratulations. That's thank it's, you. <laughs> it's an enormous, it's an enormous and impressive feat. When I tell you that I was absolutely stunned when we got the email that the change was actually being <laughs> yeah. made. Yeah. yeah. So I got the email. I think I actually like actually screamed yeah. and was crying because yeah. I just couldn't believe yeah. that something like this actually made a difference and that just by being you know, maybe a bit of a loud mouth that I actually <laughs> made a change. And now I'm hearing that the National Kidney Foundation, all these major groups are getting task forces to look into whether race should be used. And 
other schools are making changes. And it's just, it's amazing. I'm just, I'm shocked and surprised. And also I feel really proud and just yes. overwhelmed. Yeah, it, it's really amazing. And I have to say at my own hospital um, in New York, there is now a large petition that's going around to remove um, the race correction from EGFR. And it was also started by medical students. Again, students doing labor. That- right. <laughs> right. That's totally unpaid. And to your point, they're actually paying to do the labor. But I think that your work um, and the idea, right, that as a medical student that you can create everlasting change is an important one. And so the goal of this podcast is for trainees to hear about other trainees that are doing important work and um, creating important changes in the state field of medicine. What advice do you have or would you give maybe your younger self or other trainees who are looking to engage in meaningful advocacy work within medicine? Yeah, so a few pieces of advice. One is to humble yourself and be willing to listen. You know, you can speak up about your experiences that you've had and your community have had, but be wary about speaking up for other communities and um, rather be an ally that kind of uplifts other voices and is willing to learn. Um, Another piece of advice that I have is to not be afraid to speak up. You came into medicine and you were chosen to go to medical school for a reason. You have a place. Your voice matters. And in in a lot of respects, I think medical student voices, we are kind of fresher in the sense that we're around peers our age that are doing activism work. We're more savvy with social media and are constantly being, you know, bombarded with new information and are like integrating that into our everyday life. So as a medical student, you're coming in with these like beautiful, fresh eyes, all of these new perspectives. And even if other people don't value them, that doesn't mean that they are inherently non-valuable. You can make a change just by speaking up and recognize that there's power in numbers. So if you get together with other students and form coalitions, there's so much work that can be done. So regardless of, you know, the institution of medicine kind of tells us that there's a hierarchy and a pecking order and that you can't break that um, ladder, but it's possible as a student to speak up, to write publications, to be active on social media, to take part of activism groups and make a change. And even though it seems small, and at least for me, it often felt like I was screaming into a void, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but (laughs) things can change and we have the the capability of making change and the young physicians that are coming up are aware of social issues and the ways that medicine has perpetuated harms and is willing to listen um, and make these changes. Well, as a medical student, I really appreciate those words of advice. I think humble yourself, listen to others. Don't be afraid to speak up. You're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. Whatever approach it is, top down, bottom up, just come at them from all angles. There's power in numbers. I think these are all such helpful things to keep in mind. Thank you so much, Naomi. This was an amazing episode. And we also really appreciate you giving us more of your time to do this. 
because you're also yes. studying for step one. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. Isabel, do you think that's a wrap? I think that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is made by Isabel Rosenthal, Dan Arteaga, and Lauren Tronic. Tommy Bazarian is our sound engineer, and our theme music is by R.O. Shapiro and Micah Motenko. For more information, visit wellroundedmed.com, and please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.